Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Now he's going to stumble up and he's going to be sacked. Darius Leonard's going to bring him down. Keep it way downfield for Zach Pascal. Touchdown! We're talking Colts and recapping the action. Way downfield for Jack Doyle. He's got it! Touchdown! Cuts back 10, 5, touchdown! Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, touchdown! I-N-D-Y! Now here's the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. Live from the Power Home Solar Radio Studio. Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live tonight, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. I'm Matt Taylor with you until 7 o'clock tonight. Following us tonight here on 93.5 and 107.5, the fan is inside IU basketball with Don Fisher and Mike Woodson. But we're talking football now. As the Colts are eight and six in a season high, two games over five hundred after their twenty-seven to seventeen win over the Patriots on Saturday night. The win snapped an eight-game losing streak to the Patriots and also marked the Colts' seventh victory in their last nine games. The Colts won the game with a dominant rushing game, elite special teams play, and takeaways on defense. The Colts ran for two twenty-six against New England, marking the fourth time in the last six games. The Colts have rushed for at least 200 yards. Jonathan Taylor ran for 170 on 29 carries and a 67-yard touchdown with just over two minutes to go. Ice the game in the fourth quarter. Taylor's 17th rushing touchdown of the season broke the Colts' franchise record for rushing touchdowns in a campaign that was set in 1964 by Lenny Moore. His dominant season continues as he leads the NFL in rushing total yards from scrimmage, rushing touchdowns, and total touchdowns. He also tied Lenny Moore's club record with a rushing touchdown in 11 consecutive games. And he joined Edger and James and Eric Dickerson as the only Colts to reach the 1,500-yard level. His 1,518 yards so far this season with three games to go ranks fifth in team history. The defense notched two more takeaways on Saturday night, bumping their NFL-leading season total up to 31 on the year. Linebackers Darius Leonard and Bobby O'Karake each recorded crucial picks off of rookie quarterback Mac Jones. Leonard had a team-high 10 tackles in the game, and he's now been part of 12 takeaway plays on the season. Six forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries, and three picks. And he reached the 100 tackle mark for the season, and since 1987, Leonard is just the fifth player in Colts history to compile four consecutive 100-tackle seasons. And special teams was magnificent as well. Linebacker Matt Adams blocked a punt, which was recovered by EJ Speed in the end zone for a touchdown. It's the second block punt for a touchdown this season by the Colts, and Speed has both scores. He became just the third NFL player since at least 1994 to log two punt block return touchdowns in the same season. He joins Ed Reed, who did it in 2002 and 2003 with the Ravens, and Blake Countless from the Rams in 2017 and 2018 as the only players over that span with multiple pump block return scores. So if the playoffs started today, the Colts would be the top wildcard team. They would travel to Cincinnati to face off against the four-seeded and AFC North-leading Bengals, but there's three games left, and the playoff picture changes dramatically week by week. And up next for the Colts, another Saturday night game against the Arizona Cardinals, who lost on Sunday to the Lions and one of the bigger surprises in the NFL this season. we got a loaded show, as always, tonight. Coming up, we'll recap the game in more detail with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. 
He'll join me starting on the next segment, and we're taking your questions as always. If you have a question on the Colts, tweet it in tonight uh, for the show using hashtag Colts Roundtable. But first, we hear from head coach Frank Reich on the win over the Patriots. That's brought to you by Citizens Energy Group, and I caught up with Coach Reich on Sunday and asked him to take us inside the locker room following the win over the Patriots and what that scene was like after the big win late in the season for the Colts. An emotional win, you know, a hard-fought win, you know, against, the, at the time, the number one ranked team in the AFC. So, um, a game that we needed to prove that we could win that kind of game. That's Frank Reich with us here tonight on Colts Roundtable Live. How much confidence do you have in this team right now? Coach, you've shown all season long you can play with anybody, and now the Colts are closing these games out. What did this win do for the team's belief in itself here late in the season? I mean, it's a big deal. I, I just think our guys have inherently a lot of confidence. But, you know, with every win that you can put out there, every good game that you play, and we're really playing good complementary football right now in all three phases, playing physical and, um, you know, and then playing against some good teams and playing good football. So that's the kind of trajectory that we need. We, we wanted to be playing our best football at this time of the year. We are, but there's still there's still a lot left. And, uh, we're a long way from getting in this thing, so we got to fight hard every week and get fight for every victory we can get. You said after the game that you were able to wear them down in the running game, and you've been doing that to a lot of teams this season. And, and before Taylor's big run late, his longest rush before that was only 12 yards. If, if you can, put your feet in the other shoe, so to speak, defensively. How tough is it to slow your team down you keep coming at teams time after time after time how tough is it on defenses when you're able to impose your will like you are throughout the course of the game I mean I think I think it's really hard uh when you can run the football you know on your terms um I I just think that makes it hard for defenses and and I think that what we're trying to do to get that done is first of all we got a great offensive line secondly you know Jonathan Taylor is uniquely talented even when they're stacking boxes against him he can make guys miss and still get yards thirdly I think the offensive staff is doing a good job mm-hmm. of you know trying to scheme things up make things look different um, and use multiple t- personnel groups to you know, try to put the players at the best spot they can be in yeah I mean you've run for over 200 yards in four of the last six incredibly special here Jonathan Taylor obviously doing what he's doing uh the offensive line is is much above average how special is this run that you're on right now compared to your many years of football when it comes to running the ball and 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 doing what you're doing with Jonathan Taylor as far as running the ball you know like you said Matt four out of six games you know over 200 yards is I'm not sure I've ever been on a team that's done that before but um, the, the thing is, is it's like what we said in the locker room afterwards. You get done with the game and you win the game. It, it only counts as one win, right. you know. So you've got to prove it again the next week, and you can't take anything for granted. Um, so that's what I love about our team: um, the, the, the ability to reset and get it wired in again the next week. Well, that game uh, Saturday night, incredibly chippy, uh, and it started in the first quarter on on both sides. Um, from how you saw it, Coach, how much tension was there in that game? Yeah, I mean, it was a big game, playoff-type atmosphere. So, um, you know, we we talked to our guys all the time about trying to avoid that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, I don't think it felt to me like, you know, we were we were having some success. And, you know, sometimes the team's tactic is try to do something crazy to yeah. try to get you off your game or something like that. So right. you try not to let that get to you. 
um, but it's also a good sign that um, the reason that they're getting frustrated and it's getting chippy is because you're doing a lot of good things and they don't like it. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, before we go further, Coach, I know certainly a great win for the team, but at the same time, the team is also keeping Ryan Kelly in mind uh, during his family situation. Obviously, I, I know you talked about it after the game, but but how's Ryan and his wife doing, and, and how has the team tried to help him in a difficult time? Yeah, I mean, our support and love for Ryan and Emma is you know, just strong. You know, we, we've been in their corner. They're going through this very hard time. And, um, you know, I'm sure Ryan will, if, if he deems fit, you know, talk about it when he gets back. But, right. you know, the, the important thing for Ryan and Emma to know is that, um, that we, that we're here, we love them, we support them in what they're going through. Um, and, you know, we just, we look forward to Ryan getting back, but he needs to do what's right for him and his family for whatever, you know, whether that's one day or a week or whatever, whatever that is, we're, mm-hmm. we're behind him 100%. That's Frank Reich here on Colts Roundtable Live tonight. If you have a question for him, tweet it in now uh, on Twitter. Again, hashtag Colts Roundtable is the best way to do so. Let's uh, leave some time for the fan questions. Coach, uh, first up tonight is Ryan. He says, I know you're a quarterback at heart, but if you had to vote for MVP, would you vote for Jonathan Taylor after a game like last night? Does he have a shot at MVP? Absolutely, would vote for him. I, <laughs> if he doesn't have a shot, I don't know. If, if he doesn't have a shot, I don't know who does. What what he's been doing this year is so unique, and um, he's such an incredible player. And the way he's been doing it, and how consistently he's been doing it, and you know, I just look forward. We got three, you know, three weeks left of the regular season. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we just need to continue this push. And if he can continue producing like he's been doing, I don't see any reason why um, he shouldn't be uh, yeah. the MVP of this league. Indeed. Uh, Jeff is up next. Uh, you talked about the um, the fourth downs earlier with the media. The Colts were three for three on fourth downs, including two tries in your own territory. Why did you think those risks were necessary in a game like that? It was just a gut feeling that we had. It was confidence that we have in our in our O line and in Carson, you know, to get it done. Um, just felt like we needed to possess the ball and, and move the ball and you know keep running it and making first downs. And and so it was just a commitment that we had you know, that comes from a trust in our players. All right, Nicholas is up next. Uh, special teams. Our special teams are elite three special teams touchdowns on the season is that because we draft players to specifically concentrate on special teams on day three of the draft guys like speed franklin adams etc there's no doubt that there's some specific yes uh on day three it's not just day three though every now and then you get a guy who can can contribute you know you know as an an elite return like well when we got in the heme you know um like in the fourth round um so our, Bubba, Bubba Ventrone does a great job with those guys. Chris does a great job of, you know, and his team do a great job of identifying players that can contribute mm-hmm. really not just on offense or defense, but on special teams. Um, but I just give those players a lot of credit, and I give Bubba a lot of credit for getting them ready. All right. Uh, this is an interesting one. This is from Victor uh, with the uh, interesting play, the very creative play with the shotgun snap to Jonathan Taylor and then to Carson Wentz, to Naeem Hines for the touchdown. Uh, Victor is asking, how many versions of the uh, Philly special do we have? <laughs> I'm not sure if we'll see another one. Uh, I, was <laughs> glad that we, I was glad that one worked. And uh, the interesting thing, I, I actually didn't say this in the 
press conference, Matt, but I, I probably should have uh, just for fun, that when we put it in, it was uh, put in as a handoff. So, you know, Jonathan was going to hand it to Carson. Carson would <laughs> hand it to Naheem. But then Carson figured out pretty quick that if he just tosses it forward, it's a touchdown pass <laughs> rather than a run for Naheem. So, um, so when, they, when we were in practice running it, they just worked it out where we were just as comfortable comfortable tossing it and that's exactly how it went down a touchdown pass for Carson Wentz and that's that's the the most money touchdown pass of all time right it goes about six inches in the air and he gets credit for the score that's fantastic um all right final one from Chris uh before we wrap up coach he's asking our defense has gotten better week by week since about week number four why has our past defense improved steadily over the course of the season I just think it's, you know, the, the players fighting to get better. Coach is doing a good job. Players doing a good job, you know, learning week to week how to get better and how to tighten up, you know, how to tighten up our coverage, getting better rush. Um, it's all coordinated together, but really starts with the players. But I think, you know, Coach Eberflus and the guys are doing a great job. All right. The Arizona Cardinals up next, another Saturday night game. Uh, it'll be on Christmas night. Uh, Coach, as we sit here and talk right now, they're ten and three, uh, first place in the NFC West. What do you know about them heading into this game as you head out west next Saturday? Well, obviously, a very talented team with a, with a, with an elite quarterback, a playmaking quarterback, and uh, you know, really good in all three phases. Extremely well coached team. Um, so, you know, this is a team that's been hot. They're 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 super dynamic. Have playmakers, you know, all over the field. So we're going to have to really be on point and and put our best foot forward for this game. Indeed, that's Frank Reich here on Colts Roundtable Live, 93.5 and 107.5. The fan coach, congrats again on the win. Have a great week of practice, and we'll talk to you later in the week. And uh, thanks, as always, for the time. Thanks, Matt. Again, that's Frank Reich, and that conversation was had on Sunday, and it's brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Save at home on monthly bills when you can serve water and energy for money-saving tips Visit citizensenergygroup.com. When we come back, we'll continue to break down the win over the Patriots. The Colts are 8-6, and six, and we'll also roll out some burning questions with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights with three games left to play here in the NFL regular season. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live. We're back in a moment. It's brought to you by Citizens Energy Group on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Caesar Sportsbook, the sportsbook for the people. Download and get started with a risk-free bet of up to $5,000. Terms and conditions apply must be 21 years or older. We now return to Colts Roundtable Live. Once again, here's Matt Taylor from the Power Home Solar Radio Studio. Welcome back here on Colts Roundtable Live tonight on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan, the home of the Colts. It's presented tonight by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Tonight's show is also brought to you by CBS4, where news doesn't stop when you go to sleep. Get caught up with everything with Angela, Nick, Krista, and Rachel weekdays on CBS4 this morning. By the way, congrats are in order to Jonathan Taylor. Voting for the Pro Bowl is over, but Las Vegas Gave us a little bit of a, a sneak peek on who's playing in the NFL All-Star game. The first five Pro Bowlers were revealed on billboards in Las Vegas today. That's the host city. And Jonathan Taylor is headed to Sin City. He made one of those billboards playing in that game should the Colts not make the Super Bowl. And also announced today were Tom Brady, Aaron Donald, Travis Kelsey, and Cooper Cup. So congrats to Jonathan Taylor on the first of many accolades 
that he's going to receive this season. This is his first nod for the Pro Bowl, and I believe the rest of the Pro Bowl unveiling uh, happens on Wednesday night. Welcome again, everybody. I'm Matt Taylor. Joe Wrights and Rick Venturi are along tonight, the rest of the way until 7 o'clock tonight. Joe, I want to start with you, former player, right, starting in touchdown town. You're out there before the game doing the pregame show, all the buzz around the stadium, then the craziness in the building during the game. Just curious, where did that atmosphere rank for you as long as you've been playing for the Colts and covering the Colts? In terms of regular season game, Matt, it was, I'd say, tied for number two. And number one was when Peyton came back in 2013, Sunday night football. Mm -hmm. But then the other game was six years ago against New England when it was the first game back after deflate gate, post AFC championship, Tom Brady serves his suspension. It rivaled that atmosphere. And it was a playoff atmosphere the entire day. The crowd was loud. They were into it. You could mm -hmm. tell the players fed off the energy. And I mean, we came out and blitzed New England and it was 20 nothing. And they're looking around on the sideline. You know, and Coach, you mentioned it, Belichick, arms crossed. I mean, you know, boy, I, I would have paid to have been a fly on that wall at halftime. But I love the energy. I love the fact that the Colts exercised their Patriots demons, hadn't beat them in 12 years, lost eight in a row. And what a win for this team. When you look at the Colts who have had 10 straight, now 11 straight leads of double digits, but they haven't closed them all off. And there's been a couple games, you go back to Baltimore, you go back to Tennessee, when things start sliding, we haven't been able to turn it around. But even though we didn't play our best football there in the fourth quarter, when it came to be winning time and we needed to make a play, because the Colts were going to have to punt, the Patriots are going to have a minute left, and our defense was tired and on our heels. But boy, did they make a play on that 67-yard run when Jonathan Taylor has two free hitters in the hole. I mean, it was a beautiful design. The Colts had their three tight ends set. They were loaded up strong to the right. The Pats slanted strong to the right, and they ran a cross dog, which means the first linebacker goes to the right. Dante Hightower scraped over the top. Him and McCourty, two Pro Bowl players, are wide open in the hole, but Taylor puts his foot in the ground, goes from left to right, and nobody touched him. I mean, what a tremendous job blocking it by the Colts, but just a tremendous individual play. That game, I, I was sitting there watching it all unfold. You know, that, that'll go down in my mind as the fan part of me from the Colts, you know, pre-career and post-career as one of the best, probably the best all-time regular season moment <laughs> right there. What about you, Rick? Have you calmed down from that game? Have you come down from the high from Saturday night? Well, let me guarantee, let me tell you one thing now. I took the fourth, you know, that 24-hour rule. I took all 24 hours and really enjoyed it and gloated every minute. So, yeah, I was, I, I was just thrilled to death. There's no question about it. We were high as a kite. We always have to live through that fourth quarter, but we did. You know, I thought there was magic in the city, as Joe was saying. And one thing that kind of struck me, and I really liked it, you know, a lot of people said, well, this is a big rivalry, but it's more of a fan thing. You know, not enough of these players have been around. But I've said this, and Joe knows this. I've said that the players, good or bad, it, during game week, they will they will feel the vibe of the city. It mm -hmm. doesn't just start at the game. It starts all week in the media. You know, and sometimes it's your worst enemy. But I think this week there's no question about it because every player on that field looked like he had been through that whole decade, to be honest with you. They played with a passion. But it great, great night for players, coaches, and I say all God's children who claim to be part of, uh, you know, Colt Nation. I mean, to, you know, to overcome a hot team like this after a decade of pain, it, that's really, really special. Uh, more importantly, you know, our, our postseason aspirations – really with the Tennessee demise 
are at an all-time high, if you want to know the truth. They couldn't be bigger right now. I think the most impressive thing to me, you know, and Frank does this every week, you know, he always has his team ready. I'm complimentary every week that way. He always has his team ready to play regardless. But to me, what was really, uh, what was really phenomenal is that we did this with our signature. This wasn't a gimmick win. This wasn't a, you know, all about X's and O's. There were a lot of good X's and O's, which I'll get into in the game. But we did it with our three signatures. Number one, we ran it with the man. I mean, he, he not only ran it all day, he put the lights out at the end. But, you know, and there's, you know, you 28 in that offensive line, in the game plan, we used a lot of tight end stuff. We balanced him up. We banged away. You know, to me, I call him I, I call him double O seven seven seventy because if you <laughs> if you just get a hat on somebody, he gains seven. If you give him a crease, he gains seventy. I mean, it's the guy. You know, I don't know that I've ever enjoyed and respected and actually liked to watch a player more than I have Jonathan Taylor. And I've been around this for about fifty years. But the running game, offensive line, outstanding. I thought, you know, I thought that Nelson on some really key issues had a Pro Bowl day, not just the sneaks. You know, the first indie special, he does a great job of logging Vinoy, you know, to get Hines that first edge. And then, I mean, then we're blocking downfield with guys. I mean, Jonathan Taylor throws a block down at the end zone, Coach. I mean, that was awesome right unbelievable. there. unbelievable. And then number two, you know, our opportunistic defense, um, you know, basically we win by turning it over, you know, and the two turnovers around the roundabout, I mean, basically they're going in, they're going in to score in the red zone and, and Leonard makes the, you know, really good interception, just good eye control state doesn't get out of position, makes it. And then Okariki makes just this great interception. Watch that one on film and slow it down. That is just a great interception. But the, the point is, is that's a 10 point swing. If, India, if, if I was really worried about the Patriots scoring and then getting the ball back, that was huge. And then Okariki's interception led to three, you know, so that. And then, again, the third thing, and, and this is just a reality with us, uh, you know, I'd like to talk about it later in the show. Uh, nobody plays special teams. And, it, the, you know, the, the pupil beat the teacher yesterday. He mm-hmm. learned the game from Belichick. Mm-hmm. He gave Belichick, he gave him a block eye with that great block kick and another score. So, you know, I was a tremendous, magical night, great night. You know, just, just to keep it real, though, the one thing that 24 hours gave me, and, you know, we got it, we still have the mountain to climb. And I'm, I'm talking about the mountain. I'm talking about all, going all the way. There's just two issues that, that hit me that we just, you know, that, that scare me or make me a little bit nervous. We can get into them is one, our inability, you know, to stop that fourth quarter. We're, you know, we're back and we're 31st. I mean, we give up 17 points in the fourth quarter. You know, we're, we're giving up nine, four. I mean, that's, that's just, we've got to stop or it's going to cost us. Um, and I, I'll get into why uh, I think it's really happening. And then, you know, I just sometimes, Carson, I love him. I love everything he does. He does so many good things. But it just seems like in in pressure situations, you know, he just gives me some head scratchers, for instance. And I just, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully those two issues are the only issues that bother me going forward. Well, those are some good questions and uh, some issues to talk about. Let's uh, roll that into the burning question series here we have on segment number two tonight on Colts Roundtable Live. Three games to play. Again, Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights uh, join me tonight. I'm Matt Taylor. 
So the Burning Question Series number one, the Colts have two really big wins in the last month. They beat the Bills, they beat the Patriots, and had it not been for a disappointing second half against the Bucks, the Colts could be sitting with three marquee victories in their last four games. Um, Joe, against the Patriots, as you alluded to, they're up big, 20 to nothing in the third quarter. New England closed the gap 20 to 17 with 221 remaining, and then Jonathan Taylor iced the game. But Joe, the question is, have the Colts found their ability to close out games against good teams late in the season, which obviously haunted them earlier in the season? I'm going to say to be determined, but I love this step. And the reason why, Matt, that, that game against the Bills was a signature win. I mean, we just blew the doors off him, but it wasn't ever close. And you look back again, this team has now had 11 straight double-digit leads, which awfully impressive. It, it shows what we're able to do in playing complementary football all three phases. But three of those were losses, Baltimore and then Tennessee and Tampa Bay at home. And so really three of those games I mentioned when the slide started in the fourth quarter, we weren't able to stop it and pull out a victory. We did that against New England. And so I think as big as this win is in the standings and for us everything, mentally that gives us an edge. And I think it gives a leaf in the locker room, which I think is going to be awful important because no matter how you slice it, you get into the playoffs and the Colts are going to be there. All those games are going to be tight. You know, they're all going to be a one score game and so the first time I felt like we really won a one score game that maybe you know we were teetering with a game that we didn't get done against um, Tampa Bay and against Tennessee yeah I mean I I think it's a problem I, I I don't think we have it totally fixed I think what we we can't we can't lose sight of is the fact that Frank did stay patient on that second and 10 and he ran the ball to Jonathan and Jonathan made two guys miss in the hole and, and went 67 yards for a touchdown. So in that sense, uh, we closed it out. I mean, in that sense, we closed it out by, you know, running the football. I mean, if you want to look at it that way, but, you know, 17 points in the third, you know, 17 points in the fourth quarter that we gave up, uh, you know, and plus we were aided, we were aided by, by, by New England's own stupidity. I mean, they have a, offsides penalty on a field goal that allows us to get three and then they have an offside penalty third and one going in on the red zone which prevents them from getting a touchdown so you know we got it we got a couple breaks down in there just to make sure that it didn't get away and honestly if we don't run the clock out you know then we're going to be defending again so you know i don't i don't feel that we we have figured that out and my biggest concern is this matt when it comes to figuring it out I think we've done a much better job since middle of the season in playing stickier at the coverage part of it. I thought our corners yesterday did a really good job of shutting down the outside of the field. I I really did. And we don't do a good job on tight ends, but we've gotten a lot better. Here's what we don't do, and and you can chronicle it. (laughs) We don't get anything other than Buckner out of a four-man rush. And that's why it's hard to it's hard to hold leads because, you know, we do a lot of blitzing, a lot of edge blitzing early. But, you know, people figure that out. And at the end of the game, you've got to be able to play some coverage and some four-man rush. Mm-hmm. And right now, we're not generating hardly anything. We're 21st in sacks. And if you look at some of those fourth quarters, I mean, those quarterbacks are just standing up in there. They're moving around. They're standing up in there, mm-hmm. getting very little pressure. And my thing is we have to fix that. I mean, the one guy that we're getting consistent rush from is Buckner, but once he's not involved, we're getting very little. Uh, you know, and I think the biggest thing is settle on four guys 
that we're going to play on third down and we're going to play in the fourth quarter, move Buckner around, get him like we did Sunday, Sunday, Saturday. We got him out there on the left tackle, let him run a jam game, and he won. You know, and continue to play with those guys time after time. We look like an intramural team sometime. We got different rushers in different situations, and we got out. There, we got guys out there who shouldn't be out there in the fourth quarter with the game on the line. So I'm just saying to keep it real is that we've got to figure out how to generate more four-man rush yeah. because I think our coverage has actually gotten a lot better. But I don't feel, other than Buckner, I don't feel much in that four-man rush. Yeah, I do agree with you there. And to your point, um, looking at the numbers today before the Monday night games uh, this afternoon and this evening, the Colts at last check um, were 12th in opponent completion percentage allowed. And remember, at the beginning of the season, that number was in the 29s, the 30, the 31st oh, yes. range. Yeah. Yep. No, that that's kind of my point. We have really improved there. Uh, there's no question about it. I was very critical of that at one time but we have made necessary adjustments we've played a lot more man and even in our zones we're stickier on the edge you know there, there's no doubt about that but when you and then that's why i'm i'm isolating it down to one area matt and that's you know we've got to get four man rushing it it's not it's not asking them to blitz more i mean i'm not saying that you at all win. i'm saying yeah. you got to get yeah. some four man rush yeah, I agree with your point there, Coach. And I think something we've seen in some of these leads that have evaporated for the Colts, a team has a long drive where they go up tempo. Yeah. Maybe the Colts go through now, they get the ball back. Now our guys are a little tired, and now we're getting almost yep. no rush. And to your point, I think, okay, so a four-man rush, how do we get the most pre- – pre- it's Buckner isolating him, or it's isolating yep. him with two guys, spreading the other guys out, either going wide, four-eye. Again, I, I mentioned last week, I love the spinner look, if you can get one guy to walk around and get three one-on-ones, and then just one of those guys has to win. But to your point, yep. I think we streamlined that in the fourth – season and now you got four guys that know we're our nascar package we're our get it done package whatever you want to call it those guys just like an offensive line you start to figure guys out and when this guy might go inside or outside how can i set this pick stun or this game that that's something we got to do because to your point you're gonna be playing good quarterbacks in the fourth quarter throwing the ball and we got to find a way to win indeed all right that's joe wright saying rick venturi i'm matt taylor this is colts roundtable live tonight 93.5 and 107.5 the fan taking a look back at uh, the Patriots game, and then a look ahead with three games remaining for the Colts here in the regular season. One more final burning question, because they did beat the Patriots, but they did so with only 57 yards passing on five completions. Those five completions are tied for the third fewest in franchise history in a win and the fewest in a game since 1974. Also, the 57 yards are the seventh fewest in a win and the fewest in a game for the Colts since 1995. Uh, In fact, Carson Wentz had more rushing attempts than he did completions in the game, and of his 12 pass attempts, Wentz threw. The Patriots got their hands on six of them. So, Joe, is the Colts' passing game, is it strong enough to make some noise in the playoffs, assuming the Colts can get there? It is because we've seen it, but what concerns me a little bit is that, you know, I think Wentz's two poorest games were Tennessee and New England both at home and I give credit to Frank because when we got up 20 points now it becomes a game of time and score how much are we up how much time's on the clock how many possessions can New England realistically get and I think he was right in continuing to pound the ball I think especially when you consider that you know after that big first down to T.Y. Hilton then when Wentz throws the interception now all of a sudden it says well let's just pound the football so 
Wentz has to be better in some of those critical situations in terms of New England dropped an interception or two, too. And I think that's a little bit concerning. But bottom line, when you talk about the playoffs, and Coach, I think you'd agree, I think three teams travel no matter where you go. Physicality in the run game. Number two, turnovers generated on defense. And number three, the thing nobody's talking about are special teams, which in my opinion probably is the best unit in the NFL. If you pack those three things, you can win a ball game with only five completions. We did that. It's funny. Everybody was raving about New England. They beat the Bills on the road with only two completed passes. Well, we just built the hottest team in the AFC with only five completed passes. So this team is playing complementary football at a high level. But I do agree to make a serious run in the playoffs we got to have some more efficiency from the past game. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's hard for me to say this right now because I really like the fact that we're putting the signature on the game. I thought that the run game, uh, the run game, game plan was absolutely phenomenal. And I had looked at, at, you know, we talked about this before the game, Joe. I said, you know, at the end of the day, after all the study I've done, New England is 19th in stopping the run in terms mm-hmm. of yards for play. So let's be patient today. Let's keep pounding. And it's easy to say that, but now you've got to come out and do it. What I thought the Colts did a great job was putting the, you know, the 12 personnel, 13 personnel, big 13. You know, uh, we, we got in there and we balanced them up. And even though they were heavy fronts, we didn't go to the RPO game. The RPO game is not for the Colts. The RPO game is great on paper, but it is not for the Colts because it takes the ball away from Jonathan Taylor. And I thought we did a great job. And I, I want to mention this before I get to the passing game. I thought our receivers, Coach Grow did a great job. I thought our receivers did a great job playing and play out, getting the hat on the eighth guy in the box. So, you know, there was never what, – what Jonathan never saw was clean guys ever hitting him. He always had an edge. If it was a double sink, we pinched off those threes. If it was a 30, we just got right after him. So we ran fixed plays, but we got hats on everybody, which is really good coaching and really good execution. I'm not sure about the passing game, and I'm not sure you can go all the way without it. Uh, I think you have to be yourself, and I think uh, Frank actually learned from Tampa you know, that we have to be us and we have to win our way, and I credit him totally on that one against New England. Um, I, I do feel, though, that in this league, at some point, you have to be effective throwing the ball. I'm, I'm fine with Pittman. I think Pittman plays his role really well. Uh, my concern, it really didn't come up because we didn't, we didn't even worry about it. We just pounded him to death. Uh, but, if, if you know, when somebody takes away Pittman, I just haven't seen anybody. I, I like Doyle. I mean, Doyle does the scheme things we ask him. But I haven't seen anybody else be creative if we get in that situation. And that's, that's my biggest concern. I was worried about it, but it didn't matter because we just pounded them to death. But I do believe you're going to be in a situation someday where you're going to really have to throw the ball. And I hope that these pressure situations where Carson has done some head scratchers um, is just uh, is just an in-game thing and isn't consistently right. this way. All right, well, Coach, well, let me think. What about Ashton Doolin? He's a guy that we saw go real deep well, a we, couple we weeks ago. Well, we do I'm totally with you on that. that I mean, that, that, me, that first play, that, that end around to him. Guy, exactly. He said, you know what, That and Matt and I talked about this during the game. I turned to Matt. I said, Matt, you know a play that's forgotten in this game the is Doolin's at the table for mm-hmm. us because mm-hmm. he's off in the edge. I've been I've been crying for Doolin. I don't understand it. 
why he isn't because he's tough, he blocks, he does everything, and he's so much more explosive than everybody else. I'm I'm totally with you on that, Joe. I'm just I'm begging for him to play more. I really am because I think he is that guy. Yeah, Pat Pascal's been awful solid, and he is he is really good at what he does. But in my opinion, Doolin gives us the higher ceiling in terms of a third yeah, wide out there. Because here's what here's what happens. Here's it's like Jack and Pascal. They're dependable guys. If the scheme gets them open, they're going to be open and they're going to catch it. But if they get tough one-on-one coverage, you you can't count on it. We need somebody else. And right now, you know, I just I keep wanting Hilton to be there, but it seems like every time he gets bumped, he's out of the game. You know, I just, you know, I'm just, it, it's killing me on that because I still think he has juice. Yep. All right, good stuff. Good burning questions tonight here on Colts Roundtable Live. Rick Venturi, Joe Wrights, I'm Matt Taylor. When we come back, we'll get to the mailbag. We'll talk about the Colts and the elite special team units. We'll talk about also, there's a question in here, fellas, chew on this. Does Frank Reich own Bill Belichick? It might be a little (laughs) bit too early, a little premature to go there, but we'll discuss when we come back in a moment. On Colts Roundtable Live, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You're locked in the Colts Roundtable Live, a look at the latest action with the Indianapolis Colts. For more Colts talk, here's Matt Taylor, live from the Power Home Solar Radio Studio. Hey, we're back on Colts Roundtable Live. Thanks for sticking with us. It's always brought to you by Citizens Energy Group, proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. And the show tonight's also brought to you by Meyer, the official super center of the Colts and proud sponsor of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest with Rick Venturi, Joe Wrights, and I'm Matt Taylor tonight on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Here on this segment, we're taking your Twitter questions, opening up the mailbag, if you will. Send them in tonight using hashtag Colts Roundtable. A lot to choose from. Let's go to Grant. Grant's up first. Uh, this is geared towards Rick. Uh, he's asking Rick, why are the Colts superior to other teams when it comes to special teams? Do other teams just not prioritize those things in the draft, coaching, etc.? Well, they're prioritized at different levels. Now, the beauty of Saturday night was the Patriots traditionally have been the, the most highly prioritized and normally is the number one or two ranking in the league. So to beat them at their own game is a tremendous tribute to this franchise. Now, to me, our special teams is a perfect storm of competence. It starts, first of all, with Ballard's ability to draft on the third day and to select quality undrafted free agents. Just look at it, Matt. Franklin, Speed, Adams, Odin, Doolin, Mm -hmm. Glasgow, Rhodes the Snapper. You know, our two return guys, our third-day draft picks. I mean, so – you know, it's it's an amazing how how accurate he's been in selecting those guys that give us talent. Then you turn it over to Bubba, who, in my opinion, at this moment in time, is the premier special teams coach in the National Football League. He gets them ready emotionally. He sells them on what they've got to do. He gets them ready schematically. He has that charisma with those guys. They believe in him. They go out and play. So when you put the prioritization in the draft mm-hmm. and the ability, I mean, some people would like to do that, but most people don't draft as well as we do on the third day. And then to have a coach who puts that all together, it's just amazing. But, I mean, to see 
that blocked kick, I think Joe mentioned it before, you want to talk about an impact play. That was stunning. That was stunning, and I think it stunned the Patriots, and I'm not sure they ever recovered from it. No doubt about it. That was the game changer. All right, uh, we teased this one. Again, send in your questions tonight. Hashtag Colts Roundtable on Twitter for Rick Venturi, Joe Wrights. I'm Matt Taylor. Uh, we talked about this one on the on the last segment here. This is from Mitch, Joe. Do you guys think that Frank Reich owns Bill Belichick two wins as an OC and a head coach, the Super Bowl in Philly, and a great game plan here with the Colts? I mean, Frank Reich's a great coach, but Bill Belichick, Joe, six Super Bowls kind of speak for itself. I don't know if anybody owns Bill Belichick, well, all due and, respect to some of the great coaches in this league. And I think that's accurate, but I tell you what, Mitch, my, uh, my brother Andy was going around Lucas Oil screaming that, Reich owns <laughs> Belichick to everybody after the game. I, I will say this about Frank. Obviously, they beat him with Philly in the Super Bowl when he was you know, dialing up plays you know, then lost in 2018 up in New England. But Frank's team was more well-prepared than Bill's on Saturday night. They executed better, schematically to better, and they were better to play. And I think the thing about Frank is he's so even-keeled week to week, right? The, The Colts emotionally, when you look at NFL teams that ride the wave up and down and up and down, like Tennessee to me rides the wave all the time, Frank's teams are always ready to play and I think always well prepared. That's a credit to just his demeanor as a head coach and being a leader of men. And again, I don't think you say anybody owns Belichick because he's going to go down in the annals of history as the best of all time. But Frank ain't flinching on the other sideline. And a perfect example of that is, you know, when it's 20 to 10, and they kick the field goal because they think that there's going to be nine minutes left. They're going to get the ball. We take five minutes off the clock, dial up eight runs, punt it back to them. And that fourth and one call on your own 43, that took some stones, and Reich didn't flinch, and I love that about him. Just a great job of him preparing the Colts team for that Pats game. Indeed. All right, time for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll take some more of your Twitter questions. Get them in tonight using hashtag Colts Roundtable. We'll also close out the show, talk about the Arizona Cardinals, and take a peek at the AFC playoff standings in week number 16. All of that and more when we come back with Rick Venturi, Joe Wrights. I'm Matt Taylor. Back in a moment here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. From the Power Home Solar Radio Studio, here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. We're back for the final time tonight on Colts Roundtable Live. Following us tonight, it's Inside IU Basketball with Don Fisher and Mike Woodson. But we're brought to you by Citizens Energy Group, proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Tonight's show is also brought to you by EverStream, Indy's business-only fiber network, faster fiber and better business. And we're taking another uh, mailbag question, hashtag Colts Roundtable, to interact with us tonight and every Monday night throughout the uh, regular season and hopefully a playoff run for the Colts. Uh, let's go to Doug's question. Joe, what are the chances that the Colts make the playoffs and what matchups in the playoffs should we be rooting for? In other words, I think he's asking which teams do you like the Colts matchup well against? One, the AFC South is not completely over yet. With Tennessee falling yesterday, they host San Francisco this week, and then Miami, who's won six in a row now. They'd have to lose two more home games, but if they do that, the South is still in alive. It, it's hanging by a thread, but it definitely wasn't there a couple weeks ago. But where I think the Colts are realistically going to end up as a wild card, as the five or the six seed, the fact that we have so many tiebreakers is going to be great for us because we should have the five or the six seed. And you know who the five or the six seed is going to play? It's either going to play Tennessee and Nashville. I'd love another crack at the Titans. Or it's going to play the AFC North winner on the road, whoever that's going to be. Baltimore. 
Cleveland, Cincinnati, and none of those teams scare me. In my opinion, the Chiefs are playing the best of anybody. After that, the Colts number two, and then the rest, of, you know, the Pats, the Chargers, the Bills, you're not going to face any of those teams in the first round if you're the, the five or the six, first or second best wild card. So I really think it's setting up nicely for the Colts. I think they get in. Their percentages is, you know, darn near a lock, especially if you win two out of three, which you should. And you're going to have a favorable matchup week one in the playoffs because you're going to be playing in Nashville against the Titans or you're going to be playing somebody in the AFC North. And I like the Colts' chances against any four of those teams. All right. Tonight's show is also brought to you by Caesars. All season long player predictive game pick six presented by Caesars Sportsbook. Visit the Colts app every week before kickoff and click on pick six to submit your uh, submit your answers for a chance to win Colts prizes must be 21 to play. Taking a look at the AFC standings, the Chiefs are the number 1 seed as of right now. They lead the AFC West 13 and 4, the Patriots 9 and 5, the Titans at 9 and 5. Um, they are the third seed, the Bengals at 8 and 6. They currently lead the AFC North, but they have to play the Ravens coming up this weekend. Both of those teams are 8 and 6. The Colts are the first wild card at 8 and 6. Chargers at 8 and 6. Bills at 8-6, and and then outside the playoff picture as of right now are the Ravens. But the Colts have the tiebreakers over Buffalo, Los Angeles, and Baltimore based on best winning percentage in the conference. They have the best AFC record among that group with a record of 7-3. So, Rick, as we close out, the Cardinals are up next. They stubbed their toe big time yesterday. They fell to the Lions 30-12. Kyler Murray and company had 50 uh, pass attempts in that game. Um, but despite the loss, they're still leading the NFC West. Give us the quick skinny on the Cardinals on Christmas night. Well, you know, it's a, it's another great opportunity to have the entire football focus mm-hmm. of the entire football world focus on us against another division-leading team. I think the reality is we're catching them at the right time. Now, they're going to be angry after the Detroit game, so you're going to get a better game than they got Saturday or, or Sunday yesterday. But – you know, this is a team that, you know, they raced out. I mean, their their 10 wins are based on the first seven. You know, they've lost four out of seven, three out of five, however you want to cut it. You know, and they've lost three of them at home. I mean, they've struggled at home. So, you know, this is a team I think it really hurt them to lose Hopkins. Hopkins was the go-to guy. I think he was just a absolute favorite target, favorite security blanket for the quarterback. I think he's a little bit lost without him. They are led by Murray. Murray is an MVP candidate. He's one of the dynamic uh, players in the league, you know, similar in some ways to, uh, you know, to Jackson at Baltimore in that he can beat you with design runs. He can beat you with, with a lot of scrambles and extension. As a matter of fact, the biggest thing I want to do is keep that guy enclosed in the pocket, get a couple trees up there inside like Buckner and maybe Deo and make him play short. He's very far. He's diminutive, but dynamic. And that's the key issue. You know, obviously the AJ greens and Kirk and Rondale Moore and, and Connor, they got skills on offense. On defense, the highlight of their team are the two edge rushers. Um, you know, the, no question about that. The two edge rushers are the are the top guys, uh, Golden and Chandler Jones. They got twenty and a half sacks between them. But only one thing I'll start the week on is very much like New England. They have a lot of great stats going in, but they're seventeenth uh, on rushing defense. Totally, um, they're seventeenth in, in total rush. 
and they're number 27 in yards per rush at 4.6. So, you know, right off the bat, you see an asset and you see a, you know, you see path to victory. All right, we got to run tonight, fellas. Great job, as always. Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. Rick, I know we're going to see each other coming up on Saturday night, but, <laughs> but Joe, by the way, I can't think of a better way to spend Christmas night other than with Rick Venturi, but Joe, <laughs> and I mean that seriously, but uh, Joe, seriously, Merry Christmas. Enjoy the time with the family this weekend, and thanks for all you do. Yeah, thanks, and thanks to all the listeners, too. Your questions, interactions, what makes this show go. Merry Christmas to all. Go Colts, and Let's fire it up on Christmas night. Indeed, have some fun. That's all the time we have tonight. My thanks to everybody who joined the show, tweeted in their questions. We'll have more on the Colts and the Cardinals matchup all week long. But again, Inside IU Basketball is coming up next. Have a great night, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week, next Monday, here on Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.